Welcome to Stevenson Harwood's last pension podcast for 2021. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. I'm Dan Bowman, a consultant in the Pensions team, and I have with me today Julia Ward, our Senior Knowledge Development Lawyer. Today, the topics we're going to look at concern new obligations on trustees regarding transfers out, proposed changes to the GMP conversion legislation, new obligations that trustees will need to comply with from 2023 on the provision of information around asset allocation, and finally, a recent case on rectification. Thanks, Dan. Our first topic looks at new obligations imposed on trustees since the 30th of November 2021 with respect to statutory transfers out. The Occupational and Personal Pension Schemes Conditions for Transfers Regulations 2021 provide trustees with new obligations in a bid to protect members from transfers to scam arrangements. The regulations require further transfer due diligence checks from trustees before a transfer can be made. They also prevent transfers where red flags are present and require trustees to ensure that members receive scam advice from the Money and Pensions Advice Service where certain amber flags are present. The only circumstances that a statutory transfer out can now proceed without trustees needing to do further checks is where a transfer is to a public service pension scheme, an authorised master trust on the regulator's published list or a collective defined contribution scheme that has obtained authorisation. Otherwise, trustees will need to consider if a red or amber flag is present. Where amber flags are present, members must take advice from the Money and Pensions Advice Service before the transfer can occur. Where red flags are present, the transfer must be refused. The legislation sets out what amounts to a red or amber flag. In addition to the new due diligence process, trustees will also need to take additional administrative steps. These include notifying the member that their application will be assessed against the new requirements within one month of the member's application. Trustees must also notify members of the progress of their application throughout the process and notify the member of the trustee's decision. Additional data protection considerations are also likely to arise. There is no doubt that the policy intention behind these new regulations is admirable. Any steps which help reduce member risk to scams should be encouraged and applauded. It is, however, perhaps inevitable that these obligations come with additional work for trustees. Whilst the DWP has made clear that its intention is not, on the whole, to increase the due diligence burden on trustees, in reality it's difficult to see how this will not be the outcome. Further detail on this topic, including information on what amounts to a red and amber flag, can be found in our briefing on this topic on our Pensions Hub. Thanks, Julia. Our next topic considers proposed changes to GMP conversion legislation. As you may be aware, one way that trustees are seeking to resolve the GMP equalisation issue is to convert GMP benefits into other defined benefits using the conversion legislation. However, there are a number of uncertainties surrounding the GMP conversion legislation and they have deterred trustees from using this approach. As a result, the Pension Schemes Conversion of Guaranteed Minimum Pensions Bill has been put forward to try and address some of these uncertainties and to clarify the GMP conversion legislation. Draft legislation to clarify the conversion process is welcome and will hopefully assist trustees on their path to GMP equalisation, but it's likely that the bill will not receive royal assent before next summer and secondary legislation will also be needed to fill in some of the detail. This isn't therefore going to be the quick fix solution that some trustees had been hoping for. 
Um, we'll now look at a further change that will add additional obligations onto trustees of defined benefit schemes. Um, from 2023, trustees of defined benefit schemes will need to supply the regulator with more information about the allocation of their assets, and this will need to be done in the annual scheme return. The additional information will assist the regulator in assessing the investment risk of schemes and support the PPF in its levy calculation. The regulator will request information at three levels of detail, depending on the size of the scheme. For schemes of liabilities of up to £30 million, a basic level of information will be required. For schemes of liabilities between £30 million and £1.5 billion, uh, more granular information will be requested, and information on the sensitivity of portfolios to investment stresses will be required for schemes with liabilities of more than £1.5 billion. From 2023, scheme returns will also ask for bonds to be shown split into investment grade and sub-investment grade, and for some schemes by duration, to capture more accurately the level of risk. The regulator believes that better risk assessment will result in companies reducing the mismatch between assets and liabilities, and will help the regulator focus on schemes where their greatest risk to savers remains. This in turn may result in fewer bad incomes for members. The regulator is in the process of developing the IT necessary to enable the implementation of this new scheme return for 2023. Thanks, Julia. The next item to mention is some guidance from the Pensions Ombudsman on best practice for communicating with members. Uh, And the aim of this guidance is to reduce the number of complaints culminating in Ombudsman action. The Ombudsman highlights that many member disputes and complaints stem from poor communication and or customer service and that they can be resolved through engagement and education rather than the disputes process. The Ombudsman has published some top tips for avoiding the Ombudsman alongside links to key guidance and relevant case studies. With regard to communicating with members, some of the Ombudsman's top tips include listening to the member, using plain English and avoiding technical terms, managing expectations, apologising, accepting responsibility and avoiding delays. For our final topic, um, we're going to look at a recent case, um, the case of Mitchells and Butler's Pensions Limited and Mitchells and Butler's PLC, uh, and this looked at the rectification of pension scheme documentation. In this case, the trustees sought rectification of a pension increase and revaluation rule, which had been erroneously introduced into the governing documents of the scheme in 1996, and this error was then maintained in subsequent 2002 and 2006 consolidations of the rules. The rule that was introduced in 1996 gave the sponsor employer an unfettered power to set both the rate and inflationary index for pension increases and revaluation of benefits. Prior to 1996, it was the trustee that had the power to choose the inflationary index. The trustees argued that this change in the balance of powers was unintended and a mistake. The trustees were successful in its claim, and as a result, each of the 1996, 2002 and 2006 deeds were successfully rectified to remove the sponsoring employer's power and reinstated the trustee's previous control over the selection of index. For a successful rectification claim, the court requires convincing evidence. But for serial rectification of deeds across an extensive period, as in this case, the burden is even stronger. In this case, 19 witness statements were reduced with 16 witnesses giving oral evidence. The evidence relied upon was the absence of an intention for the change to be made to the balance of powers. Another argument in this case, whilst Oberta, due to the success of the trustee's primary case, makes this judgment more than just a typical rectification. In the case, the amendment power required the scheme actuary to be consulted about any amendment. The trustee successfully argued that the actuary had not been consulted over the change in the balance of powers. 
The judge noted that the change had not been drawn to the actuary's attention and in fact there was a reference to there being no change to the balance of powers in the information provided to the actuary. Therefore, even if rectification had not been successful, the rule was not properly introduced in accordance with the power of amendment. The case therefore emphasises that where an amendment rule requires consultation, that consultation must be properly carried out. Simply providing the documentation without directing the recipient to the provision being changed may not be enough for genuine consultation. Those with references to consultation in their scheme amendment powers will want to consider this case and take advice as to what they should be providing to the consultee. Thanks, Julia. That's all for this month's podcast. Further details can be found in our November-December snapshot, which is available on our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. You can listen to this podcast again and subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitcher or on the Pensions Hub. We hope you all have a lovely Christmas and a happy and healthy New Year.